It's an absolute joy to be with you. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to Richard and to Nicola, uh, who's somewhere around. Uh, it's been a real delight to my heart to journey on the New Wine um, Leadership Group, and it's really just blessed me, so thank you. Um, and Nicola was always one of the people at college who just had utter integrity and uh, was just shone for Jesus right the way through. So if you're part of this church, you've got a good one um, there. Um, we've come up from Sussex. We've never seen, never normally see this much concrete. So we drove over the bridge on the M4 and everyone's like, oh, GlaxoSmithKline. Oh, oh, you know, building, wow. We drove, we drove in here. What did everyone do when they saw the church? They went, wow, ooh, ooh. Um, so um, we, you know, um, <laughs> never normally wear white trainers because they get muddy all the time. So anyway, we should have worn them tonight, guys. <laughs> um, I brought some friends with me. Um, these are awesome. So um, just stand up, give us a twirl. This is Ken and Sylvia. Hey. Listen, did, did, Joe Root just, did Joe Root just stroke a four to the boundary at Lord's? It's Ken and Sylvia, everybody. Yay! <laughs> Pray very early on a Tuesday morning for revival. They're part of that. Um, just going to go to John over here. John, give us a wave. Yay, John! Woo! Um, we've got Evelyn over here. Hi, Evelyn. Yay. Uh, we've got Lily over here. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, we've got Arabella over here. <laughs> Normally Bella, but Arabella means yielding to prayer so just beautiful name um her mum's here as well felicity Woo. Um, and one of our friends who's actually living with you guys in the big smoke uh, we've got sasha who's just jumped in uh tonight as well so yeah um i just want to talk to you for a few minutes um really about just about jesus and what he's done uh, in my life in our church um, and what I think he might want to do this evening. We um, are in the countryside. We're kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, but we just love him, and we don't really have anything apart from Jesus. And so I just wanted to tell you a bit, a bit about that this evening, and um, I pray that it will stir, stir your hearts. I'm not sure how much this is a new wine evening or not, if that is Japanese to you, um, New Wine's been a movement of churches since the sort of very early 90s um, who've gathered around the presence of God, uh, around word and spirit. And I, um, when I was about 11, my uh, dad announced to me that he was going to become a vicar. And I'd been singing in a church choir, in a very traditional church, um, where the priest who always had a purple face and always his breath always stank of a sort of sweet smell that I now know as alcohol. And all I remember is this priest just beasting us, just like yelling, you know, veins sticking out of his neck uh, at us choir boys who were just sort of, you know, <laughs> like gluing, you know, the, the sheet music together or, um, you know, someone put a dead mouse under his, like, stall where he sat and, you know, he'd just go crazy at us. Um, anyway, um, so... Because he went so crazy at us, I, I was just like, whoa, there's nothing here. This is, church is just a form of, you know, religious Shakespeare. You know, it's empty. And if it makes priests like that, then get me 
a million miles away from here. You know, I just had that innate sense even then that if you're, a ho- if you're meant to be a priest, you're meant to be a holy person, not like the rest of us. And he was kind of worse than the rest of us. <laughs> so when my dad said, I'm training for ministry, that sent me on a spiral of destruction. And I was quite young, but, you know, age 11, I, I just set out to prove my dad wrong and just went off on my own ways. Um, you know, uh, I researched every religion, every philosophy, you know, just looking to basically disprove my dad. I was awful to him at home, you know, raging the whole time and all of this. Um, and uh, I, the government used to offer places for people from low-income families to go to posh schools back in the day. And because my parents were now training for ministry, we didn't have any money. Um, so that even, even, you know, made me cross, you know, and all that, as well as being embarrassing. Um, and uh, so I went to posh school and um, the only way of keeping up with everybody was to become a brilliant dealer of all things that everybody wanted who had loads of money um, that were illegal and so you know I found myself um, doing dangerous things horrible things very popular at the heart of school life um, but uh, raging at my dad raging at everything just in in a cycle of destruction and so my, my parents basically came to me when I was 15 and said, we will pay you to go to this thing called New Wine. <laughs> we'll not only pay your fee, but we will give you £100 on top of what it costs to go there. Just go. And um, it was on a different week. There was multiple weeks and different week to them. And I went with a friend and my friend's brother and to my shame, I took a big bag of drugs and we just decided there's probably going to be lots of nice Christian girls there. I'm sorry if this is a bit graphic for you. Welcome to church on a Sunday night. <laughs> it's how we roll in the country. <laughs> it's like Hobbiton, you know, just, <laughs> it's not really. Um, and <laughs> anyway, um, so I, we, we just decided there's probably going to be loads of nice Christian girls there and just spent the first part of the week just getting absolutely hammered every night and trying to find lovely Christian girls and um, all of this. Um, anyway, the final night came and I just had a grain of conscience and I just knew that I needed to say something to my parents um, when I got home. So I hadn't been to any meetings all week and I came to the final one on the last night and I walked into this place and it was absolutely berserk. There were people roaring like lions there were people just running around. I mean, I don't know what you do on a Sunday morning, Richard, but it was not like <laughs> people running around. There were people waving flags. I mean, I hated Christians who had flags. You know, I was just like, but, but it was just, I walked in and I could just sense, like, God is here. I could just sense something clean, something sacred, something real. And it was just like, this presence just came at me. I could see people crying, some people laughing, and all of this. Anyway, some guy stands up, and he says, the whole reason Jesus came was because we were never meant to be separated from God as a father. All of what we experience in, in life was never how it was meant to be. And God came in Jesus, who laid down his life to make good all the bad stuff we've done, to make a sacrifice we could never make for ourselves, to pay the debts that we owe. And 
like, I, this just worked for me. I owed a lot of money. I had bad people chasing me. And I knew that I'd done things that I could never undo. And he said, this is why Jesus came. And he came to reconcile you, to, to get you back to God, to be with him now and forever and ever and ever. And it made total sense for me. Does it make total sense for you now? I don't know if it does, but it, it, it's just so simple and so powerful. And he said, if you don't know that, and if you want to come to God, just come down here. And I, I just went straight down the front. I almost felt like a magnet drawing me. And I gave my life to Jesus. And then they said, we're going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I was expecting, you know, some sort of powerful, holy person to come up. And this sort of 12-year-old dweeb walked up to me. <laughs> and, um, and he said, you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he went like that on my shoulder. And as soon as he did that, I was taken up into a vision. And I saw Jesus, as real as you are in the purple jacket on the sound desk, just beginning to walk towards me. And I knew it was him because he was gleaming white. And yet, you just, I just knew it was him. And the whole room felt clean and holy. But it was like this holiness was coming towards me. But I wasn't frightened of it. I was so compelled. And he walked towards me and he, he sort of walked through the crowd. And I couldn't take my eyes off him. And, and um, he was just looking at me. And he came. And when he got about you know, an arm's length away, he just looked straight at my eyes and he put his hands out, and this is a vision, and he put his hands out and he pulled back my chest and put his hands around my heart. So I'm looking at Jesus, he's like this, and his hands are like on my heart. And all this black stuff started just pouring out of my heart and it started pouring onto his arms and it and his arms began to go black until they hit his body and as soon as the black stuff hit his body it just vanished and it went pouring out, pouring out, pouring out and I knew it was just pain bitterness, brokenness anger at my dad just, just all this stuff was just pouring out of me probably this is graphic probably a few demons in there as well this is graphic, for, I'm just turning green forgive me um, and um, it just pouring out of me and then once all the black stuff had come out then I just saw this golden liquid from his heart begin to come down his arms and then, and then when it reached the end of his fingertips it went straight into my heart and for the first time I just, just joy entered my being not off my face on drugs giggling but proper joy true joy Love just came into my, my heart, and not love as a concept, but his love. I just knew that he loved me, and he'd do anything for me. And he laid down his life for me, and, and, and he just peace engulfed me and, and filled my life. And then I woke up, <laughs> and this 12-year-old dude was nowhere to be seen, and I was flat on the floor, and I got to my feet, and then someone was saying, do you know, they started talking about the church and how God was wanting to restore the church. I'm sorry. We were talking in the car on the way out. We were just crying off the way, weren't we? Just talking about the Lord. So forgive me. <laughs> we're a little bit unhinged this evening. Um, 
And someone stood up and they just said, you know, the church was meant to be the place where the glory of God is, where Jesus is, by his spirit dwelling amongst us. And God is restoring the church. And, and just as this person was talking, my heart was just breaking with sorrow for, for what we had lost in the church. We're meant to be the place on earth where God's presence is dwelling and flowing from into the world. And, you know, my heart was just breaking and I was just crying and crying and crying for the church, which I love Gregorian chants as much as the next man. But, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm only happy with a Gregorian chant if Jesus is in the room, you know, because it's his church and we're his body and he wants to be amongst us. You know, we're the place where Jew and Gentile, rich and poor are brought together by the blood of Jesus to make a dwelling place for God, Ephesians 2. And, and anyway, my heart was breaking, and then this guy was saying, you know, there's people here who are called to see the church restored to life. And straight away, I just thought, man, we could change a nation if every church was full of the glory and power and fire of God. If Jesus Christ was resident amongst every church by his spirit, we could change a nation. You know, we drove in tonight, and everyone's going, ooh, wow, look at the church. Look at turn. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> And, um, and I could just see in my mind's eye, you know where, where there's like a sonic boom on a movie and it's just like, Phew, and it goes out. And I, I just felt for you guys as a church, you're right in the heart of this community. And just the sound of heaven is to land in this place and to just go, Phew, and just to hit every restaurant and home and business that they would know that the living God is in this place. So um, anyway, so this guy said, well, who, who's he calling to the church? And that was me, you know. So I'd been saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Spirit, called to the church all in one night. And then I sort of staggered home age 15 and told my parents I've changed. <laughs> and just repented to my dad and my mum and, and just put things right and, Spent the next three years at school driving to parties, holding people's hair, telling people about Jesus, praying for people to come off drugs, you know. And then when I left school, the plans remained the same. Every church in the nation, full of the glory of God. And then we could change. We could change a nation, couldn't we? Then I went to Vicar College. <laughs> And it was an experience a bit like COVID. <laughs> Where confusion and weird stuff just enters everybody's thinking. I mean, thank goodness we didn't have YouTube feeds back then. <laughs> Has anybody found during COVID that weird things on YouTube just find you? <laughs> it's like I wasn't thinking about the Antichrist and multiple beasts and suddenly it's like coming at me on my feed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe that's just mine. <laughs> um, and, um, and, you know, it, it, was a, it, was, it, was, it was fine. Um, uh, ran the football team, had a couple of babies. Um, the problem is when we try and intellectualize God and we don't receive him by faith, it doesn't mean we can't think, 
but we're to receive him by faith. And then the gift of the intellect is to work out who he is off the back of that. And I found myself at the end of three years thinking, I feel like I believe less than, please hear me, I'm not, not every, it's probably me. They probably did a, bad, a better job than I'm making out. And I just thought, I don't know if, you know, I was hoping they'd just like show me how to fill every church full of the glory of God and then send me out. And suddenly I'm working out, oh, right, so it wasn't really that person who wrote that book in the Bible, but there's multiple theories of whatever and no one in church really cares. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I told you, we're from the country, forgive us, please. We're not as highfalutin as you, you Londoners. Um, and... And what I realized is I was so hungry for God. So hungry. And uh, just the general atmosphere was critical of things of the Spirit. Miracles, signs and wonders. You know, just, you know, maybe, but uh, all of that. And, and inwardly, I, I was just screaming, saying, I know this is not right. I know this is not right. You know, I know that what we read in the Bible was not just for Jesus. I know it wasn't because he had a bunch of disciples who did the same. And I know it wasn't just for the 12 apostles because there's a bunch of their disciples who did the same. And nowhere can I read in the Bible was that ever meant to stop. It wasn't. It just nowhere says, okay, once we've written scripture, then all the miracles will cease and we'll all just get sensible and calm and, you know, all of that. Just, I couldn't find it. Uh, you know, we may not know how, but I was just so hungry for the reality of God. And my mother-in-law, who's actually here, with the wonderful white hair on the front row, um, she uh, and my father-in-law went to, went to a place where God was moving. And they just got absolutely hammered by God. And, <laughs> sorry, that's a good thing in our language. <laughs> Consumed by him, filled with him. And they came back, and we were about to be ordained, and they said, you've got to go. You've got to go. And inwardly, I just knew I was so hungry for the Lord, so hungry for the reality of him again. And we went to this, um, went to this place, and everything, everything shifted for us. Because so I'd, I'd learned that, you know, when God is moving, awesome stuff happens. And, you know... Let's hope he moves again and let's hope for another move of God and all this. Anyway, I went into this room. It was insane. They, they just said, Jesus has said heal the sick. So learn how to do it. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Jesus has said raise the dead. So learn how to do it. Freely you've received. Now freely give. And... And, you know, I was in a sort of rational, I, it's got to be real. I don't want to get pushed down. I don't want any hype, blah, blah, blah sort of mode. And I, I went up for prayer. And again, there was not a 12-year-old, but a, like a 14, 15-year-old came up to me. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to get pushed down. I don't want any crazy stuff. Anyway, this guy just came up, put his hand on my stomach, and I flew across the room. About 10 meters. I just 
The power of God just hit me. It hit me. And all of the despair and unbelief and sorrow just melted away. And I caught his presence again. I caught his joy. I caught his freedom. I caught his love. And just laughed for the next six hours. And then the next day. And what God did in 2008 was he shifted me from hoping God would do an awesome thing to knowing that he has done an awesome thing in Jesus. That we are called to move into as we step out in faith. And, you know, where, where we're from, you know, we've got lots of challenges that we're working on. And you probably come to our church and see lots of holes and lots of flaws. But we're just really, we're just really an experiment believing that God will do what he said he would. I remember when I started in 2013, we hadn't seen anybody healed of anything. So we started a healing meeting. And me and Patrick, out in one of our churches, Washington, which was freezing, and we'd meet on a Thursday night, and we just said, come for healing, come to Jesus. And one of our GPs in the next door village um, had a patient who was terminally ill with cancer and uh, they couldn't do anything more for him he had three months to live and so she said maybe you should try going for prayer there's this healing meeting just at this church why don't you go along and so me and Patrick and one or two others are there um, and this guy comes in called Alan and he didn't look like a church person, didn't really know what to do. He sort of came in, said, hi, how you doing, all of that. Do you know Jesus? And he said, no, I'm not sure I do. Why are you here? Well, I've got three months to live and I've got terminal cancer and the doctors can't do anything more. So he said, awesome. Let us introduce you to Jesus. And so we just said, honestly, if I had three months to live, there's nowhere else I would rather go than flinging myself on God. Do you want to come to know him now? And he said, yes. He said, well, get down on your knees. And we knelt with him. And we just said, say sorry for the times in your life that you live without him. Ask him for his forgiveness, which he gives. Invite him into your life. Invite his spirit to fill you. And he did. Get to your feet. And we just said, cancer, be gone. His complexion changed. He suddenly got rosier. He started smiling, and then he left. We didn't see him for about nine months. Then he came back, and he told us he'd been to see his GP because he'd made it past the three-month mark. Then he made it past the six-month mark, and he'd just been to see his GP. He'd sent him straight off to the hospital. They scanned him. No cancer in his body. Yeah, come on. (laughs) This morning, we had a chap come in to early prayer. We get all the team in at 7 a.m. I think they hate it, but um, guy on sound, he had terrible back pain. 
and he staggered in. Guys, pray for him. He said, the pain felt like he'd been kicked in the balls. <laughs> anyway, all the pain left. And he walked home free of that. It's pretty cool, isn't it? We had a, um, a few church leaders join us last week. And uh, one of them has terrible nightmares. Night terrors. Anybody ever experienced that? So he was shattered because he's just plagued at night. Anyway, we, we were just praying. Um, this is last Wednesday. And um, he was just broken on the floor, just crying, sobbing. Just broken before God. Anyway, the guys just prayed for a few minutes. Something left him. Bad spirit left him. And then he just got a joy bomb and he just giggled and giggled and giggled for the next 24 hours. He couldn't stop it. He was so full of joy. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. This is what he's doing. Yeah, we read tonight in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Yeah, we've got a blanket of fear resting on the world right now, haven't we? And sometimes in the church, it's a heavy blanket of fear. And David is writing this psalm being chased by a jealous, competitive, insecure king who's looking to kill him. And David, being hounded by King Saul's armies, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Not a bunch of armies. The Lord is the stronghold, the fortress of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers surround me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. David is surrounded by persecution, danger, fear, and yet David makes the Lord his fortress. And if you were being chased, if there was an army about to come across this lovely green um, and, uh, and to haul you away and to take your life, what would you be praying for? What was that? Yeah, you'd be saying, Lord, help us. Send the angelic armies. Stay their hand. You know, send down lightning from heaven. You know, whatever, wouldn't you? Would you be praying that? What does David pray? Psalm 27, verse 4. David says, One thing I ask, that will I seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You can imagine them storming across the green, about to come here, and David does not pray for rescue. David does not pray for deliverance. David says, if there's one thing I've got, I just want to see your face, Lord. I just want to see your majesty. I just want to see your beauty. I just want to see who you are. I just want to talk to you in your temple. I just want to be in your presence. You know, we were, we were just saying on the way up here, all we do in our church is we just love Jesus. We just love seeing more of him. 
you know, ever since, ever since 2008, he just sent me on a trajectory where I love him and he fills me so much and yet I'm hungry for so much more. I just love seeing him. Just love looking into his face. Just love learning his father's heart. Just love being in his presence. You know, we just love church. I haven't heard any prophet in COVID saying, I love church. <laughs> Have you? Everyone's been trashing church and, you know, we don't like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Have they? <laughs> We just love being close to the Lord and going from there to release his presence wherever he, wherever he leads us. David says, there's one thing I desire, that will I seek after, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. I just want to say, you know, we, we, we're going to pray a bit later for you guys but I would just say is anybody just hungry to see the Lord to see his face to encounter his presence because that's the that's the only prayer we've got Lord you're everything you really are take the world but give me Jesus we don't want to be rich we don't want to be powerful we don't even want the miracles we just want you Lord you're the dream you're everything (laughs) Yeah? And David goes on and he says, when he begins to pray one thing, now my head is lifted up above my enemies all about me. Now my heart is filled with shouts of joy. Everyone's storming across the green. David prays, Lord, I want to see you. And then he's lifted out of this blanket of fear. And he comes into the Lord's presence. This is where it's different being in the new covenant than it is for David. Because David says, my heart's saying, Lord, seek your face. Hide not your face from me. Do you know, when we begin to pray, there's one thing I desire and it's you, Jesus. He loves to come. (laughs) He loves to come. In the book of James, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When Peter stood up after Pentecost, he said, this is what Joel, the prophet, prophesied. In the last days, I will pour my, pour my spirit out on, on most of the flesh, apart from, you know, on the crazy ones down the front or whatever. He will pour out his spirit on all flesh and will dream dreams and see visions and will see God. So take heart, be strong, and wait for the Lord.